Welcome to the Live Rad Learn podcast, where we are learning and growing through stories, a lot of them horse-related, but kind of like a good horse movie, anyone can enjoy it. This is your host, Sarah Higner, and when I am not hosting this podcast, I'm hosting the Author Shenanigans podcast. So if you love to read, hop on over there and enjoy some shenanigans. I also am a mom, a wife, and an author which is brand new and pretty exciting. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, y'all, here we go. I'm so excited about this week's episode. I actually recorded it last week and didn't love it. So between all the uh, book work and everything I've been doing, I just am re-recording this week. Apologies for the delay. Quick book update. I have scrapped the cover. I just, y'all, I didn't feel at peace about it. And so I racked my brain and I prayed and I dug around on Amazon and did some competitor comparing and came up with what I believe is going to, is a great idea. Hopefully it can be implemented. This one is completely artwork based. So hopefully I find the right people and we can get this done like as soon as possible, because that's basically all I'm waiting on is the cover. So exciting. Um, All right, so let's dive into today's episode. I am really excited about the topic of today and the story and the story, y'all. There is so much that can be unpacked. It's one of my favorite life story examples. I don't really know how to say it, but it's there's just so much meat to it. And so I'm going to dive into the story. And again, there's a lot that can be unpacked, but we'll just we'll dive in and and you may even have more takeaways from it than I do. And if you have a takeaway that I don't share, ping me on Instagram and tell me about it. So here we go. This I'm going to take you back 15 years to when I started galloping racehorses in Kentucky. And uh, if you have been a listener before, you know, I had a bad accident two weeks in. So galloping racehorses are that's when you get up super early and you are one of the people that works at the racetrack and your job is to exercise ride that the horses in the morning. So they always do it in the morning because races are in the afternoon. So this is their exercise. Racehorses are kept in stalls all day. They are bred to run. They have a lot of energy. They're fed high energy food. I mean, everything about it just makes for riding these beasts to be interesting, to say the least. So when I rode at the farm, I was um, before I had my accident, I was riding the babies. They were like two years old and they hadn't had a taste of racing yet. So they were really easy and fun. And, um, you know, I can ride a scoot or a buck or a rear. I I can ride all that. And so that was like not a deal, you know, and and there weren't many people on the track and it was like magical. It was exactly like I had dreamed it would be. And so I was having so much fun. Then I had this horrible accident. Um, All this stuff happens. And a couple months later when I was finally emotionally and physically ready to get back on the horse. I was like in a spot with my classes at school that I had to ride at Churchill Downs, which is the big track. So not a training track, but the big racetrack. And so the horses at this track, it's comparing a training track to Churchill Downs is like the difference in a little podunk country road with you know, people drive fast, but there's only like a couple cars on the road at a time to like I-95 on the East Coast, where sometimes it's 
15 lanes wide and people are cruising at high speeds and they're all really close together. And, you know, if you're a really good driver and you're used to it, you can be totally comfortable with it. But for the average driver or for a new driver, it's really overwhelming. And so I came in off the accident to a job at Churchill Downs. A trainer was so kind to give me um, give me horses to ride. And so I get out there and I mean, it was just like being a brand new driver on a freaking 10 lane interstate. I mean, it was overwhelming. And also just the realization that, you know, we're, mo- we're going fast. I'm on a horse, but also if I screw this up, I could really hurt someone else. Just like a car accident. If I screw up, I'm not just hurting myself. I'm hurting someone else. And that for me, was debilitating emotionally. I hate the idea of hurting someone else. And so I was so in my head when I rode at Churchill Downs. And because of that, I would get on these horses and um, these trainers would put me on the horses that they said was the nicest horse in the barn. This is our easiest horse. He's so kind. All the riders love him. Be careful, sweetie. And then they'd send me out on the track. And I was so nervous that these horses would then, the nicest horse in the barn would be rearing and bucking. And again, I didn't really have a huge issue with these behaviors back then. But when there's a ton of other horses cruising around the track at high speeds, I do have an issue with those behaviors because you can't totally control where the horse is going to end up. And I was so concerned that we were going to rear or buck our way into oncoming traffic that's going around the track at like 30 miles an hour, you know, with no seatbelts because we're on horses. And so, um, I was in, in this and just really struggling to be honest, like, and, and I, I was so like on the outside, I was totally chill and calm, but my insides were a mess. And so then the trainers were always saying things like, oh, well, be careful. And then they were nervous and you could, and they would put that off on me. Like, um, I just, the way they talked to me wasn't like, I believe in you, you can do it. It was like, just be careful, sweetie. And, um, they always said that, like, why do they call me sweetie? Anyway, I never call people sweetie. I will never call you sweetie. Okay. That's a side note. It drives me crazy. Um, and so I, I I did that for a while and it was hard. And I was pursuing my dream. My dream had been to ride racehorses in Kentucky. And I would cry myself to sleep at night. It was so hard. And there were great days and there were a lot of hard days. And I think in hindsight, they there were probably more hard days than great days. I mean, it was just it was a struggle, you know, and, and I would look at these other riders who were confident and they were like, stay out partying all night and they would get one hour of sleep and would still be half drunk and they would be totally fine galloping around the track. And here I was like, you know, got my eight hours and I've had a good breakfast and I've done everything I know to do to be on my A game and I'm a wreck. And so after a couple of years, I took a break. And, um, and so during that break, and I just really relied on God during that and just was like, I I have to step away for a second and like regain my mental clarity. And I had stepped away. I had been waiting tables. I worked at a breeding farm and uh, you just got my whole life story. But anyway, um, and during that time, someone said, Hey, there's a trainer out of the training track that needs a rider. It was a very famous trainer like a super famous trainer. And he needed a rider. And he said, I can hook you up with a trial ride if you want. And I was like, yeah, please. It was another student. His dad like 
owned the training track or something. And so he hooked me up with a trial ride and I showed up and I show up to this trial ride with total confidence because A, I can ride. Like, I'm sorry, I can. I (laughs) worked really hard on it and there's always room for improvement, but I knew I could sit a horse when I showed up. And B, I knew that you know, in this liability crazy world that we live in, they were going to put me on the easiest, kindest, most gentle horse at the barn because who can afford to get sued and lose all their race horses? Nobody. And so I just knew they were going to put me on the easy horse and I could ride. So it's totally going to be fine. So I show up and this horse walks out and he's, um, he was black. Uh, and, and, and he looked totally average and I got on him and totally confident. And I ride out. And as soon as we get out of the barn, he spooks like, like a serious spook and no big deal though. Cause I can sit. And so when, when a horse spooks, that means they get scared at not, this horse was afraid of nothing. Um, but anyway, he spooked and he like spun really fast and no big deal. I got him back under control. I, um, and then I got him out onto the track. And you always trot for a little bit one direction, then you turn around and you gallop for like a mile and a half. So we're in the middle of our gallop and he was a total gym. So easy. We were the only ones on the track that I could see. And we're about halfway through our gallop and the siren went off for a loose horse. And so I go, I'm like, oh crap, I have to stop the horse in the middle of our gallop. And race horses for me had always been difficult to stop because a lot of them do what's called setting into the bridle where they they kind of lean on the bit. So the thing that you normally use to stop a horse, they're already leaning, like putting their weight into it. So you can't really pull it back anymore. And so I (laughs) previously would, when it was time to stop, there was all, you always stop in the same spot. So I would just start praying and I would just kind of like sit back and pray and pull him off to the side, like out of the galloping lane onto the slow lane. And usually they would stop. And so that that was how I did it. And if you're an exercise rider, you're laughing at me right now. That's fine. Um, And so the, but we're in the middle of a gallop. So I can't just like pull him off into the slow lane where we always stop. And so I was like, but it's okay. Cause he's like a super cool horse. They put me on the easy one. So I'm just going to stop just like I do any other horse. And so I stopped him like a gym. He was so easy and we stopped and we waited on the track and he had all four feet on the ground. He wasn't bu- bucking or spooking or spinning or rearing. He just was chill. And we just waited until they caught the horse and they yelled at me from across the track. He's caught. And then we finished our gallop and w- I got the job. And so I just was like, this is amazing. You know, of course they put me on the easy horse. So a, a week later, I'm, um, I had been riding at the barn several days and one of the other riders got the horse that had they had always put that horse that I trial rode into my set. And the one day they gave him to another girl. And I was like, oh man. And she was like, oh man. I was like, what are you talking about? He's the best horse. And she goes, no, we all hate that horse. He is so annoying. We hate riding him and all this stuff. And it just was like, what? It was eye opening. And I'm going to like get into why in a second. But then Another thing I realized, I loved riding at this barn. And when and I rode well when I rode at this barn. And the horses didn't spook or rear or buck or anything other than an average horse would. And when the trainers talked to me, they didn't say things like be careful, sweetie, or watch out for this or, you know, all these like warnings. They just were like you do this and you do that. This is your job and you can do it. And So I learned something really huge from that. And it it comes down to expectation. Okay, so 
I expected that horse to behave. And because I rode and I expected him to behave, he behaved. He met my expectations. Because the other girls didn't expect him to behave, he didn't behave. (laughs) And I will say, he did spook with me, which is rude. He made like he spooked at nothing. But it was fine. It didn't bother me because I expected him to be a good horse. And I just thought, eh, it's a fluke. And so think about this in your life with your relationship. So, so you might not ride horses. Okay. If you ride horses, like apply this. Okay. Stop expecting the worst from your horse. Um, but most people listening to this don't ride horses. And so this is very true for people as well in our relationships. We often expect the worst. And then when they do it, it's like proof. And then we get really annoyed. And then we pick at them. And then we just can become rotten human beings to live with. I'm mostly talking about marriage here. Um, and kids. Uh, the, this is the hardest one for me is the kids. But um, And so when you expect it, we're still going to screw up, right? Like the horse still spooked. But I expected the best from the horse. And that is what I saw. Now, someone who expected the worst from the horse, they would have found things that were annoying. They would have hated him because of his spook. And then they probably would have been tense and he would have done it more and more and more. But because I didn't expect it, he didn't do it again. He was a gym the rest of our ride. Now, I also see it when I look at my whole riding on the track career. So when I worked at the big track, I expected the horses to misbehave. I expected that I needed to be careful and be on my A game and always be concerned about the other riders. And because I always felt felt like I needed to be concerned, it concerned the horses. They feel your energy. And so since I'm so nervous and I'm so concerned, then they're like, oh, what are we worried about? And then they get worried and then they're jumping into traffic and trying to kill us. And it really came from me. It was a hundred percent my energy that I was giving off that was causing them to behave in the ways that they were. Because it was like sometimes what you fear you create just because you focus so much on it. Like when I barrel raced, we would always say, look at your spot. So when you're riding a barrel horse and you go, you run around the barrel, you don't look at the barrel. And that's what, like, the biggest mistake of most barrel racers. They look at the barrel, and when you look at the barrel, because you're afraid of hitting it, you don't want to knock it over because then you either get penalty seconds or you just get knocked out, depending on the rules of that show. So if you hit the barrel, you're out. You're screwed. You've messed up. Like, you can't win, okay? What most barrel racers do is they look at the barrel. They look at the thing that they're afraid of, and when you look at it, bam, you hit it almost every time. And so what you're trained to do as a barrel racer is you find the spot you want to ride to. So you're not looking at the barrel. You're looking at the spot next to the barrel or just past the barrel. And then once you're halfway around the barrel, you look to the next spot you're going to ride to next to the next barrel. We call it next barrel. You look at the next barrel, like right next to it. And so when you're afraid of something and you're so zoned in on that fear, you sometimes create movement towards that. And so I was so concerned with with like causing an accident that it was that that we were I was creating it. I was creating a horse that couldn't handle me because of my anxiety. And and then add to that, there's so much power. Oh, I 
just bumped the mic. Sorry. There's so much power in your expectations for other people. And so it really was a trickle down effect because the trainers also were very concerned and they spoke that they said, be careful and look out for this and you can do it. And I could tell when I got on, they were nervous too. And so then it just compounded the issue. Whereas when I went to the new track with the other trainer, they just treated me like I could ride. And when I was treated like I could ride, I rode like I could ride. Just like when the horse was treated like he could behave, he behaved, right? He still had a screw up. I still screwed up sometimes. But when I was expected to be able to do something, I met the expectation. And so just as we're dealing with relationships, and there's, again, like, I don't even know if I can, like, totally unpack it all. But I just want you to look, you know, as at things that annoy you, <laughs> people that annoy you, and or fears that you have, and just unpack this in your own life. Like, are you so afraid of something that you gravitate towards it? You know, are you so afraid that you're kind of almost creating it? Also, I see this a lot when I speak to my kids. Am I saying things that instill fear into them instead of confidence? I want to build confident kids. And so when I do things like, oh, be careful, watch watch out for this, I think instead of being careful to my kid who's about to careen down the hill on the bike, it's better to give him something proactive to focus on because I don't want him nervously careening down the hill. I want him to careen down the hill in confidence if he's going to do it, right? I believe in kids being kids, so I let him do it. But I'm going to say, don't forget to keep your hand on the back brake, right? I'm giving him, I'm saying, I believe in you. And here's a pointer to make sure you stay extra safe. But I'm saying it in confidence, not fear. And so when you're speaking fear into people, they feel like you don't believe in them. And then they will not believe in themselves as much either. But if you can speak confidence into them, then they believe in themselves because you believe in them. And so I felt it on the human level. I feel it on the horse level. I feel it with my dog when I walk him. When I expect him to be good, he's generally a gym. And when I expect him to freak out when he sees another dog, he usually does. So anyway, that's it. What are you expecting? What are you expecting of the people around you? What are you expecting of yourself? And I'm going to just tell you, I was not confident enough even a year ago to do this. But I have since learned if someone is speaking to you in a way that does not instill confidence, let them know. Sometimes people need to be coached. They don't know what they don't know. And maybe like for me with the riding lesson, my trainer just like tore me down a, a few months back and I had to have a conversation with her. <laughs> now, for me, I had to do it after I like in the moment, I didn't like think fast enough to do anything about it. But after the fact, I said, do not talk to me like that. That does not build me up. That tears me down, which makes me ride worse in the long run. And so Think the same if you're coaching kids, if you're helping kids with schoolwork, with anything, or even with your spouse. Like, we all need support. We all need people to believe in us. Are you believing in the people around you? And you can even ask them, how can I speak more confidently to you? What would help you feel encouraged and like I believe in you? Because that is what I think is such a game changer, is when you know that someone believes in you, you feel like you can conquer the world, right? And that's what we're doing here.
Okay. I'm done. So don't forget, everybody, as you go through your day, have grace for yourself. Have grace for the journey. We are all learning here. We are just trying to get better, and we're going to have good days, and we're going to have bad days. My first day that Essie was back in school, I think I sat on the couch and read a book. (laughs) I had like 100 things on my to-do list, and I read a book. But you know what? Grace, whatever. I needed it. Um, All right, y'all. Have a great day. And I can't wait until next week, the next episode. I am pretty sure I will be reading a story from my book. And it has very good reviews so far. I've sent it out to my early release team. And the people who have read it have sent me the kindest words. One girl said it was it's two sisters who they're actually going to guest on the podcast. And they said, we laughed with you and we sighed with you and we cringed with you. And they just were so kind in their review. It was like such a confidence boost. So I can't wait for the world to read this. Thank you. And also, side note, if you read someone's stuff and you love it, let them know. Putting things out into the world is the most vulnerable thing I've ever done. And now I'm really seeing how beneficial it is to just let people know when they've done something well. So even if it's at work, you know, it's like, I'm getting off on a tangent here. When you see someone who like has a great outfit or their hair looks good or whatever, just let them know. Like, hey, girl, that skirt looks so good. What are you? I love your outfit. I can't believe I never would put that together, but you totally did and you're rocking it. You know, just like, let's lift each other up. Okay. Signing off. Have a great week, y'all. All right. I hope you loved the episode. If you did, be sure to rate it, review it, whatever. Share it with a friend. If it impacted you and you think it could impact someone else, pass it on. That is literally the number one compliment you could give me is to share it with a friend. So if you can unpack more from this story, or if you just want to follow me on Instagram, look me up at at live, ride, learn on Instagram. Also, you can go to my website, liveridelearn.com and download a free short story if you subscribe to my email list. I don't even have time to fill up your inbox, I promise. You get like one to two emails a month, um, but you'll get all the updates as soon as they happen on when this new book is coming out and there will be another free short story coming soon. All right, that's it. Y'all have a great day and I will chat with you next time. Bye.